you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find with me 1 Samuel, the 19th chapter. We have been going through this book verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And also, as you're finding 1 Samuel, the 19th chapter, if you would flip to the end of your Bible, almost to the end, I should say, and find the book of 1 John, chapter 1. In 1 John, chapter 1, we're going to be setting the uh, chapter 4, excuse me, the setting for our sermon today. Four weeks ago, we started a brand new series titled Overcoming Personal Attacks. You see, we've talked about this. It's one thing when people are talking about someone you know. It's another thing when people are talking about the place that you work. But it's another thing when people start talking about, about you. It's another thing when people start talking about, about your kids. And so this idea of the personal attacks that we go through, the storms that come up in our lives, all of us have them. And so whether it is something you're going through, something you've been through, uh, and if you're not in either one of those categories, that you are headed to. And I think all of us are guilty of saying this. I know that's what I should do, but... Right? It's kind of like this. I know I shouldn't lose my temper, but if they hadn't said that to me, and if they hadn't done that, and I know I should forgive my enemies, but Jake, you just don't know what they've done to me. And so I know it says in there that I have to forgive, but I'm not going to. You see, most of us view our relationship with God and our obedience to Him as dependent on the situations that we find ourselves in. Right? If this doesn't happen, I'll trust God. Or if there's something else not to do, I'll be at church. Or if, if, if I inherit a lot of money, I'll give to the church. You see, that's how we view it. When really our relationship with God is not based on situations or circumstances or the storms that we are in. Our relationship with God is based upon Him. A God that never changes. A God that has always existed. So whether you like me or not, really in the grand scheme of it, doesn't matter. It matters what God thinks of me. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you right now, the halos have popped out and you're saying, I don't care what anybody says about me. All of us care a little bit. And all of us care about what some people think and what others we don't care. Right? There's a guy that lives in Springfield that runs the state that I don't care what he thinks about me. Not one bit. I just want to be as submissive as I can. But I can promise you that I care what the seven females think of me that live in my house. You would think, though, living with seven females, that I could at least make one of them happy. But I have not yet done that. And so when that happens, you will know it. But it's true, right? You might not care what your neighbor thinks of you. You might not care what your enemy at work thinks of you. But you probably care what someone thinks. And so today I want to really challenge you. Because as we've been looking through this sermon series, we've been looking at overcoming personal attacks. And just to recap, we looked about how God prepares His people. That God has been preparing you for what you are going to go through long before you got there. He's been bringing people into your life to build relationships. He's been providing you with uh, what you need to get to where you're going. Then we looked two weeks ago about the fact that God is with His people in the difficulties. 
God has not abandoned you because the storm is raging around you. God has not abandoned you no matter what kind of slander is being said about you. No matter what is going on, God is with his people. Last week, we looked at not only is God preparing his people and that he is with his people, that he provides for us while we're in the middle of the difficulty. And I think most of us have have had relationships with people who were our friends and who we thought would be there for us. But when the difficult moments came, they split. They were not there. They become our biggest enemy instead of our biggest supporter. And so all of us kind of have this mindset sometimes about God, that yes, I know he loves me. Yes, I know he's been preparing me. Yes, I know he's with me. But is he really going to work in this situation? Is he really going to provide what I need? And today, the fourth part of this sermon series, as we're looking at the life of David, is God's love will shine through his people. You see, you and I have a choice to make. You and I can either choose that we are going to glorify God in every situation, or we can make a choice that we're going to glorify God when it is convenient for us. But I want you to know this morning that whatever is going on in your life, no matter how bad it is, no matter how upset you are, no matter how crazy things seem to be, no matter how hurt you are, if you will do things God's way, and you will trust God in the storm, if you will trust God in the difficult moment, God's love can make a difference in the lives of other people. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence for the reading of God's word, and you found 1 John chapter 4, I want to read verses 7 through 11 as we look today at our verses in 1 Samuel. It says, starting in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to what? Okay, I'm not sure if the print wasn't up there or you have bad eyesight, but it says love one another. So pray with me. Father, today we thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, today I come knowing that I am a sinful man, and Lord, the only thing good in me is you. So, God, I ask if there's any sin known or unknown in my life this morning that you would forgive me and, Lord, that you would use me. Lord, I pray for your people today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to work and move in their lives. Lord, I pray that the preaching and teaching and reading of your word would be used for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, I thank you for all of those that are here, no matter the circumstances for why they're here. We're thankful for that, Lord. We pray for those that would love to be here but can't for whatever reason. So, Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we finished up chapter 18, um, King Saul hates David. He has tried to murder David. He promised him to marry one of his daughters and then backed out. And then he let him marry the other daughter so that he thought he could bribe him and use her to get David killed. And that's where we find ourselves 
David is hated by King Saul. He has been persecuted by King Saul. And really from what the Bible says, David has not done anything wrong. And so if there was ever a time when someone outside of Jesus could say in the scriptures, I'm not going to be godly because they started it. It was King David. Is there was ever a time when someone could have said outside of Jesus that, you know what, I'll take my life or I'll take his life because he's trying to take mine. If there was ever a time when someone could have went around and talked bad about someone, it would have been this time. David could have went to all the military commanders. He could have went from town to town and said, Saul has lost his mind. He's nuts. He's crazy. He's tried to kill me twice for nothing. But he doesn't. And so this morning, this sermon that I'm going to preach is very difficult for all of us. It won't be difficult if you sit here today and say, I don't care what that overweight man says. My life is mine. My decisions are mine. And I'm going to do what I want. You're exactly right. There is nothing that's going to change that outside of God. But this morning, if you're here and you love Jesus and you want him to use you, to make a difference in the lives of people around you, I want to show you three things, hopefully quickly, that will allow God's love that he has poured out to you to shine to other people. And the first thing I want to show you this morning, if you're taking notes, starting in verses 1 through 8, is we will see what the love of God really looks like. In the middle of the difficult moments in your life, you will begin to see how much God truly loves you. Because in good times, it is so easy to love the blessings of God. But when everything falls apart around you, and when no one is loyal to you, and it seems that everything that you are involved with is falling apart, it's in those moments that when you have a real relationship with God, that you experience what His love is like. And so this morning, I want to show you that even in the midst of the most difficult moments in your life, you can see the love of God. So start here in verses 1. We're going to read through verses 1 through 8. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore. Don't miss this. As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. 
You see, I want to show you this morning that when God is truly the Lord and Savior of your life, when God has truly made a difference in who you are, God will use you to reach other people. You see, did you see that Jonathan has every right here to agree with Saul? Jonathan could say, you know what? I want David dead because he is coming for my throne. I want David dead because he is causing trouble in my family. I want David dead because he's getting all the glory and I want the glory. But that is not Jonathan's motive at all, is it? Jonathan loved David. They were as close as two people could be. And this morning I want to show you that when God changes you, that when God saves you, you will have a desire to care and love for other people. The biggest concern I see for our church in the months and the years going forward is we become too busy to be the Jonathan in someone's life. You know how I know that's true? Because our family is having that struggle right now. How do you have 12 nights worth of events in one week? And how do you live that way and yet be able to care for someone when they need that? Think about this. Jonathan went to his father who hated David, who had tried to kill David, and did what? Petitioned the king on David's behalf. And this morning, that's what Christian love is. Jesus died in my place. Today, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making what for us? Intercession for us. And what Jonathan does here is I hope what we as God's people do to those that are hurting, to those that are broken, to those that are persecuted, to those that are struggling, to those that the world has given up on, we are willing to love them. And we're not only willing to love them in words only, but we are willing to love them even when it costs us something. Jonathan didn't know if his dad was going to throw a spear at him. Jonathan didn't know if his dad was going to cut him out of the family inheritance. Jonathan didn't know anything about how Saul would respond, but he knew that he loved David. David had done nothing wrong. And because of that, he was going to show a love for David that could cost him something. And as a church this morning, I want you to know that is how we are to love one another. We are to love each other and care for each other and pray for each other. And this morning, I want to just thank you for doing that. And I want to thank you for all of you who are willing to build wheelchair ramps for, for people that need it and serve on funeral uh, dinner committees and, and go visit the sick and pray for those that are hurting because what is happening and what I see in our life and in so many of your lives is we are becoming so busy that if Jesus needed us for something, we couldn't do it. And I want to just say this this morning, and it's not political and it's not to devalue the situation that we are going in. I don't care what pandemic is going on. If you have a lost family member or friend and want someone to go talk to them about Jesus, I will go. I don't care if they are contagious, not contagious. I don't care if they're in a hospital, not in a hospital. I want you to hear me say this, that I will go if God needs me and you can't go. And I want to say that this morning because what I have seen over the last year and a half, and I, and I hope that you don't make this political, it's not, is what has been forced on us has caused some of us 
to stop being willing to show love to other people. That family down the street that's lost a loved one years ago, you'd have gone down and checked on them. I'm not going down now. That, that neighbor that's got a flat tire that's broke down on the side of the road, I'd stop and I'd help him change it, but, but I can't stop now. Now, I'm not telling you that you got to go lick doorknobs in a hospital, but I am telling you that you are saved, you are forgiven, and you are on your way to heaven, and you need to use the opportunities that God has given you to love people, to care about people. And so, as you know, I always talk about neighbors and how I don't like company. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but my neighbors go to church here. And so it's never directed at the Hampsons, okay? But uh, so today I said I was going to say something nice about my neighbors to make up for all the cruelty that I dish out. Uh, this, this, uh, this week we had a tree down and, and, uh, and my neighbor came over to, to just see what was going on and probably to help if I'd have, I'd have let him. But how many times... Have we let what is going on in our country and what is going on in this world keep us from the smallest acts of kindness? The smallest acts of I know you need something and I know that family's hurting and I know that family's struggling, but there's nothing I can do. I can't go. I can't help. And so I want to challenge you this morning to prayfully, prayerfully consider that when God gives you an opportunity to help the hurting and to stand up for those that are broken and to be there for those that are struggling, that you will use it to be like Jonathan. Now, I want to back that up and take it out of COVID, and I want to just tell it in everyday life. How many times are you willing to be kind to that person that your family hates because you're afraid of what they might say about you? How many times are you not willing to forgive someone because you're afraid of what the friends that you have that hate them might think about you? How many times are you willing to, to be kind and compassionate to that person at school that everyone else makes fun of because they might make fun of you? And I just want to be clear, that's not a high school or junior high or even a sibling thing. That even happens as adults. But how many of you today are willing to sacrifice anything to be used by God to love someone? Today I ask you that question because if this church is going to be a church that helps the hurting and cares for the poor and is there for the broken and is loving those that the world has given up on, you need to hear it today from me that it will cost us things. It might cost you some time. It might cost you some money. It might cost you some effort. And you know what? It's okay because Jesus paid it all for me. The Bible says that he willingly came and died upon a cross and was beat and tortured and spit upon and was buried and rose from the dead so that my sins could be forgiven. And that's what we see here. Jonathan displays what true Christian love looks like to David. You say, well, Jake, my definition of love and your definition of love are different. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'd love to show you what the Bible says that love is from 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. These verses are used at every funeral I have, or every wedding I have ever been to. Every wedding, every wedding, not the same thing. Weddings are worse. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But this verse is actually written to you, the church, God's people, and how we love one another. Starting in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 4, it says, Love 
suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. You see, Christian love is based on truth. The truth of God's word. The truth that God loves us. The truth that He died for us. The the fact that He is forgiving and long-suffering. And so today I want to challenge you. Are you willing to love people God's way? Because the verse that we read from 1 John says, if you don't love, you do not know the love that God has. And if you don't know the love that God has for you, then you cannot be saved. But you could be saved, but you're not. And so this morning I want to challenge you to not just say that you're saved, but to evaluate the fruit that you are producing. Are you willing to sacrifice to love that person that's hurting? Are you willing to sacrifice to be the hands and feet of the Lord in situations? Are you willing to give up anything to be used by God to bring Him glory? Because if there's not a love to want to be used by God because of the hurtingness and the brokenness of other people. Friends, this morning I want to challenge you that maybe your love and salvation is not where it should be. Second thing I want to show you this morning is in the middle of personal attacks and difficulties is God is going to love you. He's going to show it and he'll use you to love other people is that selfishness will blind our understanding of right and wrong. Selfishness will blind our understanding of right and wrong. And I want you to think about this as we read these verses, because he just swore that no one would kill David. Nothing was going to happen. Starting in verse 9. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. Now I want to stop there. Now I know that David was a man after God's own heart. But I'm starting to think that David trusted God more than I ever can. Because if Saul had tried to throw a spear at me twice. And he invites me back into the house and he has a spear in his hand. This guy's not going. That ain't happening. Right? Because you can tell me you're not going to throw that at me. But I'm not going. But David did. And listen to this. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence. And he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him. And to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. <clears throat> not only did Saul swear by God and then break that oath, Saul sends people to go into his home, his home, and to murder him. You see, friends, selfishness will take what is right and wrong and it will blind everything that you do. Every sin that you struggle with today is selfishness. 
Well, I know, I know, preacher man, that I've got unforgiveness in my heart. And I know the Bible says that if I don't forgive, God won't forgive me. But if you only knew the way they treated me, or the way they talked about me, or the way they attacked me, what I've said is, I, mine, me. It's kind of like this. I know the Bible says to love my wife like Christ loves the church. To think only about her, and to care for her, and to treasure her, but... You know, she's not in a good mood anymore as she used to be. Something about six kids make you cranky from time to time. We don't spend as much time as we used to. She doesn't tell me how good looking I am anymore. I used to always tell her that I have to keep this extra weight on because it wouldn't be fair to everybody else if I was this good looking and skinny. And now she says it's not a problem. It's not a problem. That's, that's true, isn't it? And so because of that, I, you know what? I think I'll just find me a newer model, a younger model, a, a prettier model. There ain't nobody prettier, by the way. But that's the way the world thinks. My selfishness leads me to make decisions that aren't based on what the Word of God says. And so this morning, I want to challenge you that whatever sin that you're struggling with, whatever the difficulty in your life is going on, don't let selfishness I've got to win that argument at home. I've got to get that promotion at work no matter what the cost is. I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to do all these things and realize that you have compromised what God wants for your life for the desires that you have. I'm telling you, 12 years ago when we said, I do, and she said, I do, I pray that it's for the long haul. It's not always easy, and I tease her all the time and make... Too many jokes, I'm sure that I shouldn't. I lose my temper too much. And I, you know, and but I'm telling you, you've got to make a commitment today that I am not going to make it about me. Whether it's church, whether it's your work, whether it's your family, because Saul made it all about him. And he was willing to break his oath to God. He was willing to murder his own son-in-law. And today, friends, you might not think your selfishness will have those consequences. But it always does. Listen to what James, the third chapter, says, starting in verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and what? Every evil thing are there. You, don't wanna, you wanna know why churches have problems? selfishness. You want to have marriages have problems? Selfishness. You want to know why you have problems at work? Selfishness. You want to have problems in the community? Selfishness. Selfishness is the beginning of every sin because it says, God, I don't care what you think. I want what I want and I want it now. How many remember the commercial? It's my money and I want it now. And that's how we are in our walk with God. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, and I will do whatever it takes to get it. And what the writer of Scripture is saying here is, it will destroy everything. And so we see that in the difficult moments of your life that God's love will shine. 
that in the difficult moments in your life, you have a choice to be selfish or seek the will of God. And third and finally this morning, God's love working through us can help save a life. God working through you can forever change a life. Today, if you're here and you were saved later in life, you probably have people that you remember talking to you, praying for you, warning you, wanting you to be saved. And those people are really annoying when you're lost. They are people that you avoid when you're lost. But after you give your heart and life to the Lord, they become some of the most special people to you. Because God used them and their influence. I was sitting at a funeral meal last week. Last week. And I was listening to two ladies talk about how years ago, we're talking 70 years ago, that a neighbor, lady and her husband, always brought them to vacation Bible school. Always let them ride with them to church. Or always took them home from church. And, and how God used those people to get them to church when their family wouldn't come. And I want to ask you this morning, how many times do you think God has used you in that way for someone else? Oh, I tell you what, we, we lost a, a loved one and, and we had a difficult moment. And you know what? They were the first people at our house. You know, we lost our job and didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. They were the first people to help, find, help us find work. You know, the, the time that I made a fool of myself in public... They were the first ones to come to me and say they forgave me. Is that who you are in the stories of other people or is it the opposite? Are you the person that they say, I would go to church, but them people are terrible. Uh, oh, I would love to go to church, but you know, so-and-so uh, cussed me out in Walmart last week because I took the last bowl of oatmeal. Trust me, if you're buying oatmeal, I will not compete with you with that. You can have all that nasty stuff you want. But how many times are you the saw in someone else's story? You've been the problem in their life. Because I want to show you this, that you can be someone that God uses to forever change someone's life, starting in verse 12. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messenger back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was an image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. You see, this act of this lady to do what was right, to care for her husband, saved his life. And I want you to think about this morning, and this is where I really want the sermon 
to get very personal, and I pray that the Spirit of God is speaking to you. How could God use you? Not will God use you, because He will. The question is, how could God use you? You say, Jake, I, 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 uh, all I get to influence is my kids. I don't really see anybody else. I have preached enough funerals to hear people talk about their wonderful, godly Christian moms to know that moms, you can change the game for your family. You say, well, my husband's a heathen and he don't love God and don't want to come to church. You look up here. God can use you mightily. You say, well, Jake, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a janitor at school. How, how, can, how can God use me? You have no idea how you saying a kind word to that one student that no one else cares about, that no one else speaks to, that everyone else makes fun of, how one of these days they might stand up and say, I was at a point in my life where I didn't want to live. And their kindness and compassion changed my life. Friends, you don't have any idea what that visit for that neighbor that has no family and no friends, how much it might change their life. And so today I want you to think about it emotionally. I want you to think about it spiritually. How many people one of these days might stand up and say, you know what, I wouldn't go to church. I didn't want anything to do with the Lord. But man, that guy that, that, that sat by me at the coffee shop and, and prayed and, and didn't curse and swear like all them other church-going people. And, and, you know, and he prayed for me and talked to me. And, and I tell you what, the Spirit of God used him and saved my soul. Friends, I ask you that this morning because you can be the Saul in every story. Or you can be like Jonathan. And you can be like Michael. And you can let God use you to make a difference in the lives of other people. Because I want to say this this morning. If you're not going through a personal attack this morning. If you're not going through the ups and downs of life. If you're just holding firm. Probably the person sitting behind you. Or in front of you is. Probably the person in front of you or behind you has lost a loved one. Bills are tight. Struggling with people at home that don't love God. And the question I have for you this morning is, are we going to be the church that loves people, that intercesses for people, that stands in the gap for people, that forgives and loves and works toward God using us to make a difference? Are we going to be so selfish and self-centered that we become like Saul. And this is how I'm going to close this morning. The example is Jesus. In Romans the 5th chapter verse 8. The Bible says these words. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that well, while we were still. Now I'm not going to move on until you say that better. So if you don't want to be here till 1230. While we were. Everybody will participate when it means getting out early. Christ died for us. Christ died for you knowing every sin that you have ever committed, ever will commit. Christ died knowing for you, knowing every wicked thought in your mind, every wicked action that's in your heart. Jesus Christ knew it and died for you anyway. 
because he loves you. Listen to what it says in John, the third chapter, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus loved you and he loved me, not because of what we have to offer or what good we can do. He died for us because of his love for us. And because he has shown that love for us, he tells us who are his that you are to love people not based on their worth, not based on their wealth, not based on their political leanings. You are to love them because God first loved you. That's all right. I'm the only one. That's okay. One's enough. But friends, I want to ask you that question. Today, are you so busy that God couldn't use you even if He wanted to? Are you so self-centered on the things that you're trying to accomplish? Or today, are you here saying, I have been so blessed because of how God loves me. And I've been so blessed by how God's been good to me. I want to be used by God. I asked this question this morning, and I want you to think about it. How many of you would even stop and roll your windows down if someone was on the side of the road on your way to church with a flat tire? You say, Jake, well, the person in front of me stopped and rolled their window down. That person might have knew them, and they might have been afraid they was going to steal their spare tire. You don't know. How many of you would give up something to go help someone that's in need. That's why I said this morning, I really do believe that the reason that God has blessed this church so long and for so many years is there is a group of people who have called 10 Mile Home for a long time that live this principle. I watched them at the funeral home. They come marching through. Back, and I know it almost got me in some trouble with some people, but back last March when everybody was shutting down and and churches wouldn't do anything. I wanted to thank the people that are on the kitchen committee because they're not the youngest people in the world. No offense. But when someone lost a loved one and if they, if they needed a meal, our folks were there loving them, caring for them. And God blessed us and we were very blessed and, and God protected us. But I want you to look around for just a moment. Most of you haven't been here for decades. Most of you haven't been here for 10 years. And the challenge that I have for you is this. If God is going to keep using this place and this group of people to show lost and broken and hurting people that they matter to God, guess whose job it is to make the choice that it ain't about me. It's about what God wants in me. It's you. And so my challenge to you today is whether this is your first Sunday your fifth Sunday, your 37th Sunday, your 237th sermon so that you've ever heard me preach. Today, the choice is yours to make. Here I am, Lord. Use me to be the Jonathan in someone's life. Lord, use me to be the Michael in someone's life. Lord, help me to show the love that Jesus has shown me to other people. I'm going to be real honest with you. During the pandemic, I really struggled with some depression. And as you know, I almost left in April and and I think the thing that I struggled with the most was this. God, I just don't feel like you can use me ever again. I feel like there's been enough awful things said about me and my health. And, and Lord, 
I mean, we're in Hamilton County. We've reached all the people that we can. I mean, there's never a way for this church to grow. And, and there's just never a way for you to work. And, and God had to, to remind me. And, and they'll know who they are. And that's okay, but I won't call them by name. That when someone tells you they're going to come to church months and months ago. And then they show up. It usually doesn't happen. It was like the Lord said, I can send who I want, when I want, how I want. You do not matter in this equation. And I look around and I see how many of you are new. How many of you have been saved. How many of you God has worked and moved. And it just reminds me that God is not done with you. The question is, will you let him? Will you let him use him? You, this morning. That's my challenge to you. Pray with me as Jamie and Janice come. Father, today I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, this is not the sermon I wanted to preach. This is not the sermon that I would have picked, Lord. But yet you put these verses right here for this day, for this purpose, for this season, for this reason. It's Lord, today I pray for that lost man woman, boy or girl that's here, Lord, that is saying, I don't know what it's like to live a life and have hope and joy and peace. And I don't understand that today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would convict them that they would come to know you. But Lord, for the Christians in this building today, Lord, I pray that right now you would help them through the power of your spirit to evaluate their life. And if they love you, and if they're serving you, if they're living for you, or Lord, they're just telling themselves that they're saved. Lord, help us to seek you as a church. Father, I pray right now for that family, that person that's going through a personal attack. Lord, that's going through a terrible struggle. That's going through a situation they never thought they'd go through. That today, God, you would remind them that there are people in their life that you have put them there for that reason. God, that you'll protect them in this season. And God, that you are not going to leave them. So Father, as we turn this time of invitation to just you and them, Lord, I pray that you do great things for your glory and your glory alone. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.